Father, we pray that you would help us now to hear and to honour the name of Jesus. For we ask it uh, for his glory. Amen. Who is Jesus? If you type that question into Google, uh, there are 1.7 billion results. 1.7 billion web pages seeking to answer that question. Uh, But the question uh, didn't begin with the internet age. Rather, it's a question that has been asked since Jesus began his earthly ministry about 2,000 years ago. And as we can see in our reading today, page 1008 in the Pew Bibles, as we can see in our reading today, it's a question that has always, from the very beginning, produced many different types of answers. Uh, With the disciples, we have been asking that question this term. As we journey through Mark's gospel, as we listen and watch as Jesus teaches and heals and performs miracles. And this morning, we get to hear some of the answers that people are coming up with as they ask that same question, who is Jesus? But before we dive into the passage itself, it might be helpful just to take a step back and recognise that this seems to be a bit of a strange passage this morning. Perhaps you noticed the strangeness whenever Mary announced the reading with these words, hear the gospel of our Saviour Christ, and concluded it with the words, this is the gospel of the Lord. It seems strange to say those words or to hear those words when, apart from one mention in passing, the passage isn't really about Jesus at all. In fact, the passage as a whole is more about John the Baptist and what happened to him, how he met his end. And yet, it's still the gospel of the Lord, our Saviour Christ. You see, John is a servant of the Lord. He's a servant of the gospel. And as he points to Jesus, he shows us what it might, what it might look like to be faithful to Jesus in our day. And that brings us back to the question, at the question of the hour, at the question of all time, who is Jesus? Google will give you 1.7 billion answers. In our passage today, we hear of three popular answers in the time of Jesus. Uh, It's a bit like, uh, you know on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, And they ask the audience, uh, and everyone in the crowd gets to, you know, push their button and go for the answer that they think uh, is right. Well, here, uh, the crowd is being asked, who is Jesus. Look at it there, verse 14. Some people uh, say that Jesus is John the Baptist raised from the dead. Others say that Jesus is Elijah, a famous prophet from the Old Testament, uh, who would come 
uh, back to prepare the way of the Lord. And others just claim that Jesus is a prophet at like one of the prophets of long ago. Three different answers. Three different opinions about who Jesus is. So what do you think of them? Are any of them close? Are any of them convincing based on what we've already seen of, of Jesus in Mark's gospel? Well, the first one is obviously wrong. After all, John had baptised Jesus back in chapter 1, verse 10. Uh, John and Jesus are different people, uh, so Jesus can't be John raised from the dead. And as for the second, uh, Elijah comes to prepare the way for the Lord, but Jesus is the Lord whose way has been prepared for him by the Elijah John the Baptist. And so the first two options, they're completely wrong. Now the third gets closer to the mark. You see, last week, uh, Jesus described himself as a prophet without honour in his hometown. And he is prophetic, uh, but he is much more than just a prophet. Uh, Back at the start, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Mark tells us Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So the people are coming up with possible ideas about who Jesus is, but they're actually all wide of the mark. And among them is none other than King Herod. Now this Herod was ruler of the province of Galilee. He was son of the King Herod who slaughtered the innocents in, in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. Uh, and Herod here hears about uh, all that Jesus was doing and how his disciples were going two by two among the villages, preaching, healing, and driving out demons. And what does Herod think? when he hears of the name of Jesus, which is now well known in verse 14. Well, we see what he thinks in verse 16. It says, but when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded has been raised from the dead. Herod is almost haunted with the thought that John the Baptist is back from the dead. Now that immediately raises some questions for us. You see, the last we heard of John had been back in chapter 1 in verse 14. Uh, Turn back with me there just for a moment. Page 1002. And verse 14 there in the right-hand column, it says, After John was put in prison... Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And that was the last that we heard of John the Baptist. But now we hear in chapter 6 that John has died, has been beheaded by Herod. So how did that come about? Well, that's what Mark tells us. 
in the rest of our passage. It was Herod who had ordered for John to be arrested, bound, and put in prison. And why did that happen? Verse 17, he did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. Herod had been married to someone else, and Herodias, who was actually his niece, was married to Herod's brother. Now, what about that for a a mix-up of um, family relations? But Herod got rid of his wife, and Herodias divorced Herod's brother, and they got married to each other. Okay, have you kept track of all those different people and who they're connected to? Uh, In in the old prayer book, not the green one we have now, but but the black one that we had before, there was a table of kindred and affinity. Uh, and um, as a choir boy, um, sometimes the sermons would be a wee bit boring. Maybe you found that yourself. But uh, sermons would be a wee bit boring. And there were, you know, there was that. And there was the articles of religion and various things in the back of the prayer book that if the sermon was a bit boring, you could sit and have a read at them. And they would actually do you well as well. But anyway, in the table of kindred and affinity... Uh, In the old prayer book, we don't have it now, uh, but in the old prayer book, it set out who you could not marry because you were related to one another. Okay, maybe you remember that. And Herod and Herodias' relationship was also forbidden. Leviticus 18, verse 16, and Leviticus 20, verse 21. John told Herod this, to his face. He says there, verse 18, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. You see, John spoke the truth of God's word to the people in power. The people who thought that they were too important to do what God wanted them to do. The people who thought that they could do what they wanted and get away with it. Herodias hated John for it. She held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But Herod, he was more complicated. We see that uh, from verse uh, 19, uh, verse 20, really onwards. Herod heard what John said. And while he didn't like it, he was captivated by John in some way. We're told that he feared John, that he protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. And we're told that when he heard John, he was greatly puzzled. And yet he liked to listen to him. He's captivated by what he hears, but he doesn't really understand it and doesn't want to do Herod is caught in a dilemma he likes to hear what John has to say but he doesn't want to do it himself because he likes living in his sinful rebellion even more he knows that John is a man of God 
But he doesn't want that for himself. Because he likes being Herodias' man even more. He's being challenged to repent. To turn back to God. To give up his sin. But Herod thinks that he's in control of the situation. I'll do it sometime. You see, he holds the keys that keep John locked up. But it turns out that Herod is more of a prisoner than John is. Because Herod is in bondage to his sin and imprisoned because of his desires. And he has lost control of the whole situation. He knows what God wants him to do, but he will not do it. And it all comes to a head on Herod's birthday. He throws a big banquet for his high officials, his military commanders and the leading men of the region. And it must have been a boozy affair. <clears throat> because then Herodias' daughter comes in to dance for the men. Now when you hear that word dance, don't think you know, of a Cayley dance, something respectable, something fun that we'll be doing next Saturday night in the hall. No, the sub- subtext is that this was provocative. Lustful kind of dancing. Highly inappropriate and even more so because remember who this girl is. Herod's stepdaughter and his niece. And yet he's so impressed that he offers her whatever she wants. And swears it on oath even up to half his kingdom. He's imprisoned. By his sin all over again. And so the girl goes to her mother. And her mother knows exactly what she wants. John's head. And the girl shows that she is her mother's daughter. By wanting it on a platter. Right now. Look at verse 26. The king was greatly distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. He didn't want to do it. He knew it would be wrong to do it. And yet he didn't want to lose face. His pride was too much. And so he gave the order and straight away John was beheaded. The voice of God's servant to Herod was silenced without so much as a final word or a farewell. It's no wonder that Herod was fearful that John had been raised from the dead when he heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing. Was it his guilty conscience pricking as he remembered what he had done to that holy and righteous man? 
how he had chosen to side with Herodias and his sin rather than John and God's work. You see, we can know the right path. We can be called to it time and time again and yet choose to go our own way. And with Herod, it wasn't a temporary stumble into sin or a momentary lapse. It was a headlong, deliberate choice to go his own way at fully knowing how wrong his path was. He liked to listen to John the Baptist. But it didn't change his mind or his heart or his way. He thought that he could sort out his sins some other time. And that's a dangerous path to go down. You see, later on, Herod by now had heard so much about Jesus that he wanted to see him. He wanted to meet him. And he wanted to see him perform a miracle. And Luke tells us in his gospel about the meeting in Luke chapter 23. Jesus has been arrested. Pilate realises that he has a way out by sending Jesus to Herod for him to uh, try him. And Herod had many questions for Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. And then Herod ridiculed him. And mocked him. Sinclair Ferguson writes these words. Having rejected the preaching of John. Herod ended life. Ridiculing the one whom John had said was greater than himself. In the end God had no more to say to Herod. Herod shows us the danger of hearing God's word and doing nothing about it. Of loving to hear preaching, but loving our sin even more. I wonder, could that be a description of, of us today? Of some of us today? We think that we'll repent someday. But that someday may never come. Today is the day of salvation. Do not hesitate. Do not delay. If this is for you today. John shows us what it means to serve God as we point to Jesus. Speaking truth to power. Even saying the uncomfortable things. No matter what the cost may be. John didn't water down his message. He didn't change it so that his hearers would like him better or it better. John didn't say to himself. You know times are changing and we need to be relevant to the culture. And sure everybody else is doing it these days. He was faithful, even though it cost him his head. 
Now, in one sense, we're no further on in our quest to answer this question of who Jesus is. The three answers provided are either wrong or or not fully complete. But Jesus is not just a prophet. And he's not Elijah. And he's not John the Baptist brought back to life. Jesus is the one who was raised to life himself. You see, the day after his meeting with Herod, Jesus was crucified dying to take away our sins, bearing our burden on his back. And on the third day, Jesus rose again, triumphing over sin and death and hell, rising to give us the assurance of life with him, life for all who will repent and turn from their sin and trust him as their saviour. What a wonderful name. The name of Jesus. The only name given to us. By which we must be saved. Are you trusting in him today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father we praise you. And thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he uh, is not just a prophet. He is the prophet, your son, come to die and to rise again for us. Father, we pray that you would help us to not be like Herod, to have heard your word and to walk away. Father, we pray that you would give us your grace to hear and respond in faith. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.